Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm also embarrassed that we did that thing where we beam into the frame again. Just, uh, I mean, you know, it's fun, I guess. I mean, just dorky. We're dorks. Let's just admit it. We're dorks. It's one of those dorky things where... You're, you feel dorky doing it. This is probably what it feels like to be on Star Trek a bunch. You're doing a dorky thing that you're promised is going to look good by the oh, time yeah. it's all edited together. And that's the promise of a video code 47. That's what we're doing here. Really got to extend trust to production when mm-hmm. you're at Kate Mulgrew or, you know, anybody, any of them. Yeah. Some of this is humiliating stuff to be asked to do. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. We got a code forty-seven. We're we're putting it on YouTube because it's uh it's stuff people have sent us. Couldn't you use an extra six dollars this month? <laughs> I sure could. Yeah. So here we are. We really rake it in on the AdSense. I think the CPM on YouTube is less than a third of what we get with advertisers through MaximumFun.org, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. All right, Adam. We're going to open a bunch of uh, things. This first one is kind of busted open already a little bit. Uh, It's from Sam in, uh, let's see, Carrollton, Texas. Wow. Okay. All right. uh, It's just addressed to you Mm. uh, here on the package, so I don't know what that's about. I would expect a lot of these packages and letters to be addressed directly to me. I Just to you. Yeah. Oh. But this this letter addressed to both of us, so... Okay. Maybe there's something in here for me, too. <laughs> Dear Ben and Adam, I messaged you, but you ain't responding. I left my Reddit, my Twitter, and my Discord at the bottom. I sent two P1s back in autumn. You must not have got them. There probably was a problem with the Jumbotron or something. Sometimes I put payment info incorrectly when I buy one. But anyways, fuck it. What's been up, Ben? How's your son? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little creeped out, but I also like the bit, so I'm, I'm, I'm torn here. This letter goes on. There's like a, a straight up, you know, Helvetica font, and then there's also like the scrawlings of a madman font for that first part. Does it end as violently as the last lyric of the of the stand song uh well let's see well we got some more to read here okay i'll stop this nonsense before that dido sample starts playing and you guys get demonetized it's at doubt furious back with a couple more unlicensed star trek lego kits i crammed as much d as i could into this tight little box Mm. um phrasing enclosed you'll find the uss defiant and a romulan dideridex warbird Although the little D is a tough little ship for blasting Borgs, the double D is a better is better as a display piece for intimidating your foes. But I'm really pleased at how these turned out, and I hope you guys have fun building them. Wait, is this on camera? How about you dump out those double Ds for the YouTube viewers? <laughs> By the time we hear this, the Austin stop of the Share Your Embarrassment Tour might have come and gone already. 
I'm sure it was awesome. Good bits, big laughs all around, and I bet I was very cool and didn't do anything weird at the VIP meet and greet. Thanks for bringing your love, laughs, and embarrassment to the Lone Star State. Come back anytime. So anyways, I hope you get this, man. Hit me back. Just a tat. Truly yours, your biggest fan. This is Sam. (laughs) Beautiful. Really well written. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to Sam for enduring Formula One weekend in Austin. (laughs) Those are some hearty FODs out there. We do indeed have some uh, little mini Lego kits here. Oh, look. Look at that. There's your... The Deridex class warbird looks great, and all the all the pieces. Uh huh. You can take this one home, Adam. I know you love double D's. You know it. You know that's my ship. I love the way Sam does the booklets here. They're just like the booklet that you would get in a real Lego kit. I mean, Sam's gonna get demonetized. This is this is unlicensed merch here, but uh, <laughs> we're fine. We'll use that Dido song all day long. <laughs> Yeah, we've gotten stuff from Sam before. We've gotten, uh, I think, I think the bridge chair, and we've oh, yeah. gotten a, an older edition entrepreneur. I've got my entrepreneur right here. Those books, though, the instruction books, maybe Sam's best work. Kind of amazing the amount of work he puts into that. It's got to take at least as long as designing the uh, the model itself. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, Sam. Let's move on. What do you say? Oh, yeah. You didn't mention how many we had. I'm imagining there's just a pile. There's a pile. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I get my customary static from the guys at the post office every time I go because I let it all pile up. They let me out of there with the post office, like the, you know, the bin that Uh that, uh, Uh I presume sits in the bottom of every blue postal box on the street. Uh, all over this fine country. You know what they've done is they've they've deemed it necessary to give you gifts to entice you into coming more often. That bin, that's a bribe bin. Oh yeah, that's what that is. I thought it was like a you know you you visit the post office ten times, you get your you, they punch your ticket and they're like oh free bin, I love that Good for you. Maybe pick up some uh, extra flat rate boxes while you're there. That'd be great. I should do that. Um, all right. This came from Barbara Altman. Barbara Altman, our uh, our woodturner. Yeah, out of Jamaica Plain, ma. There's a letter. It goes like this. Hey, guys, just a little token of my continued appreciation. It was great to finally meet you at the encounter in Firepoint. I remain firmly of the opinion that episode one of TNG is batshit crazy, but your show was a great time. I wasn't able to see the live stream. Happily, I was somewhere in Croatia floating in the Adriatic, but I'm sure it'll turn up in the donor feed eventually. I saw the Share Your Embarrassment tour both in Chicago and Boston. I was visiting Chicago for my birthday and persuaded my sisters to join me for the show with the promise that I'd go with them to an equally embarrassing event of their choosing. So far, this has them stumped. At these shows, I met some terrific FODs. I've really enjoyed following along, viewing the pod during DS9 and Voyager, which I'd never followed consistently. I'm glad you are still having fun with this project because you're really good at it, sincerely. Barbara, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) That's really nice. Uh, In either case, I've continued playing around with my dolphin carving tools, and I was wondering what it would be like to make a challenge coin out of stone. I have enclosed my first attempts. Be well, Barbara Altman. There's a P.S. here, Adam. It's it's written in pencil. It says, P.S., This is really embarrassing. Shortly after attending your Boston show, I came down with a case of COVID. 
had a weird fever dream about the episode MASH, which spawned this third coin. I hold you entirely responsible for inspiring this stupid joke. <laughs> when you dream about the episode Masks, you don't need any sort of uh, decongestant sleep aid no, to get no. weird dream Im- imagery of that, right? It's its own illness and uh, yeah. and inspiration. Masks is NyQuil dream. <laughs> uh, getting to meet Barbara at the re-encounter at Firepoint was so cool. She's like the sweetest person. And uh, look at these look at these challenge coins she's carved. Wow, this looks like a soapstone in Cisco. We trust on the back and the Bajoran tablet on the front. In the hierarchy of carvers. Do you think stone is above wood? I've that's, carved, That seems way more difficult. I've carved a little stone. There are stones that are like really easy to carve. Uh-huh. If this is soapstone, it's like soft enough that like when you take the blade, like you can actually kind of gouge things out exactly the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. Man. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> In case of power wraith, break tablet, it says on the back of this one. These are great, Barbara. Really cool. You know, and we know that the Bajoran tablet is a recurring character. Yeah. And now we each have one. It's a recurring character that uh, that Badgie is based off of in Lower Decks, I think. Yeah. Uh, here's the PS coin in its own little <laughs> envelope. Masaka is coming. Wow. It says on the back. Really cool. Corgano already came. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thick one. Turn it uh, turn it to the side. Let me see profile. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's like yeah. a double stuff challenge coin. If you can see Masaka from the back, wait till you see Masaka from the front. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are great. Uh, and Barbara made these little, like, hand-sewn felt pockets to, to keep these safe in. Good idea. Amazing, Barbara. Wow. You're a very talented carver. Yeah, keep carving. Keep carving, Barbara. So great. Um, thank you. Should we get get into another package here, Adam? Yeah. We have a we have a bunch more. Bust them open. So one of the things that was in the thing was just a bunch of duck hearts or chicken hearts or something like dog treats. Oh yeah. And no note. It just came from like a fulfillment center. Hmm. And I'm I, I'm a little scared of those. <laughs> uh, how did they taste? I mean, they tasted good, but I, I don't know if I want to give them to Dar or Ripley. Just right. out of an abundance of caution, given that we don't know who sent them. I mean, if the have has the package been tampered with? I mean, I tampered with it to see what was inside. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the no note, and it's just like a receipt from, you know, majorinternetretailer.com. Mm-hmm. Makes me feel like... Oh, it's probably fine. It. <laughs> if that was a gift sent with some sincerity, definitely appreciate the kindness paid to our beloved pups. Indeed. Our dogs don't subscribe to the uh, to the philosophy that we do, which is like the most dangerous thing you could do as a podcaster is consume a gift from a listener. Yeah, yeah. That's okay for us, but not for our pups. Our dogs are far safer than we are. Yeah. All right, moving up in uh, order of scale. This one just came from Cafe Press. It's like two styrofoam cubes taped together. Oh, man. (laughs) So this first one is an I did nothing wrong coffee mug. 
Wow. <laughs> In a, kind of a Star Trek font, which I really like. You did nothing wrong, Ben. <laughs> I need to remind myself. Yeah. I don't have Phil texting me that. And there's one for you as well. Ben, I, I think you need both of those more than I need one of them. <laughs> Today, I did do something wrong, though, Adam. <laughs> and therefore, I'm going to destroy these two mugs. No! Amazing. These are great. What a gift from uh, from our lips to those mugs. Yeah. I, Incredible. They seem to have come through totally anonymously. I don't see any note enclosed here. So uh, thanks to whoever sent those. Very cool. Those are delightful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, getting into the bigger packages here, Adam. This one is from Colleen mm-hmm. in, uh, let's see. What does that say, Madrid? Oh, sure. No, Madison. Madison, Wisconsin. Sister cities. <laughs> this one's kind of heavy, too. Oh, boy, there's a bunch of stuff in here. But I have found a note. Oh, good. Greetings from Madison. This package comes from two people who make mead for a living, who are really kind of shameless about how much we love your podcast. We're watching this pod as we make and bottle every batch of Boss Mead. These are the the boss mead people that we heard about on the the P1 recently. Yeah, it's good to have mead friends. We wanted to share the story of how it became the pod track of our work life. I, Colleen, decided to watch slash rewatch more Star Trek during the pandemic. I watched DS9 for the first time and committed the pandemic to watching all Star Trek everywhere. I came into work one day and told Jason, our XO, about my renewed Star Trek love. And he and I bonded over our devotion to DS9 and Star Trek in general. It was great. A while later, I came to work and confessed to Jason that I had started viewing some stupid Star Trek podcast that my college pal Jen engaged at a GG live show in Portland in 2022 to the delighted Josh had recommended to me and which I had become curiously addicted to. Jason quickly held up his phone and revealed he was watching Greatest Gen at that very moment and said, you mean this stupid podcast right here? He was also hooked. <laughs> That's great. Hey, we, we met that engaged couple at our Portland stop of uh, this year's live tour. Yeah, now married, uh, mm-hmm. happily so, and they brought their parents, and uh, we proceeded to do probably the dirtiest podcast we possibly could in front of an entire family. <laughs> what you can't do is make it known that there are very olds or very youngs at yeah. one of our touring shows, because once we know that, we're going to go especially hard. Now, I'm happy to say that all work at Boss Meter is made with the greatest generation playing in the background. We are typically back in the stacks, chilling the most while we stir, bottle, and cork. So given the great vibe you give us for working, we thought we owed you a couple bottles of mead and some t-shirts. We are also purchasing a P1 to pimp the mead formally. Cool. This package is just about saying thanks for making us smile. We appreciate what you do. Colin Boss and Jason Humphrey at Boss Meadery. Amazing. How about that? There's a little bit of us in every bottle. Not bad. Mm. <laughs> Don't tell people that. It's, it's going to crash their sales. Very cool. Look at that. I love these heavy metal t-shirts that Colleen has included. And uh, here is uh, one of the bottles. Heavy metal bottles. Hammer Smash Cherry is the flavor that I just pulled out. Let's see if there's a different flavor to the other one. 
Also hammer smash cherry. We both got cherry. I was hoping for another cherry. You didn't want to fight over the cherry? It's awesome. I think the only other mead experience I've had was with the cherry mead. We also got uh, bottle openers. Great. Yeah. Should I, uh, should I pop one of these and take a sip? I think we should save them for an episode where we can drink them together. Okay, a meadisode? A meadisode. Yeah. Ingredients, water, honey, cherries, yeast, sulfites. That's it. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need. What else, What more could you need? Ask any mead pro and they'll tell you. Amazing. Wow. All right, Adam. The, the last package here is two packages, and I'm assuming that they're supposed to be one thing together because they bo- both came from major internet retailer. Okay. Uh, but seem to have shipped on the same date, so uh-huh. I don't know... I don't know what we're in for here. You're opening up the bag one first, it looks like. Yeah. Oh, man. These are more dog things. We got squeezy piggy dog toys. Oh, Ripley's going to love that sound. Before destroying it. (laughs) That's the last thing she hears before that piggy dies. We've got pork chomps. Uh Uh-huh. These are a little bit more, like, commercially packaged looking than the, than the okay. other ones that I found. Hey, there is a gift note here. These are from Brett. Uh-huh. Oh, here's another gift note. Ben and Adam, as a big dog lover, I wanted to send your doggos some treats and toys. Thanks for all the laughs. You guys are the best Trek podcasters ever. From Brett. Wow. Thanks, Brett. That's amazing. Let's see if this uh, this big box is even more dog stuff. Check out the big treats given by Brett. <laughs> oh, these are the ones that Dar needs. These are the, like the super, uh huh, super tough, hard to chew up soft toys. Looks like you got a, a purple flattened monster, fluorescent yellow and purple. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe some kind of some kind of squished lizard. Uh huh. They claim to be invincible, which Darwin will disprove, but... uh, Yeah, for how long? (laughs) I'm psyched about these. Thank you, Brett, and thanks to everyone who sent stuff. All the dog stuff from Brett? All the dog stuff appears to be from Brett, yeah. That's great. Thanks, Brett. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to everyone who sent stuff in that rules. We really appreciate every single one of you, and uh, if you'd like to send something in... Please don't hesitate to reach out to the great Bill Tilly on the uh, DMs of any one of our greatest Trek social media accounts. All he does is kind of just, you know, see what you want to send him. He keeps it a surprise for us. We don't ever know what we're going to be opening until we get it. So, uh, yeah, if you want to send something in that you think would be fun for the show, slide into those DMs. He's the guy. Yeah. Hey, thanks to everyone for sending in a, a fun prize today. Yeah. Thanks to Bill. I think we better uh, get into the episode of the day, Ben. What do you say? I think we should, Adam. It's uh, season seven, episode seven of Star Trek Voyager. This one's called Body and Soul. Where there's a surprise inside of seven. Hmm. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) Ben, did you know that this is the final episode Directed by B. Dunks. I did know that. Of the Voyager series. I was really surprised that after a couple of great episodes in season three and one in season five, he didn't get any runs at the director's chair, you know, in any of the even seasons on this show. Yeah. And 
He only got one in this last season. I thought uh, it was very capably directed, and it felt... I did not catch the credit when it was rolling by, and I could just feel that this was a cast member-directed episode. Mm. Well, you'll have to tell me why as we go through the ep. Well, I can tell you why right now. I think that the performances were just superlative and coming at it from a different angle than they often are asked to by Weinrich Colby or Mike Vihar or whatever. <laughs> Hard and Viharder. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we start with the Delta Flyer trailing a comet and they're gathering samples. Kim and Seven are in the front and Mark is in the back. Oh, hi, Mark. It's very clear that Kim and Seven are kind of done with the doctor after a long voyage in space alone with him. Yeah, it's been many days. It's one of those situations where, like, you you ever do this, like, if you're the driver of a car and your wife is, like, taking a sip of coffee, you got to be real gentle on the pedals, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. a disaster could happen. And what's happening in the back is Dr. Mark is working on these samples and uh, up front, Harry Kim, not feathering the accelerator like <laughs> he would prefer. Yeah, He's complaining about the bangers. This is the, not the time that you want to be getting onto the 110 freeway, you know? Yeah, very true. But uh, yeah, the uh, samples that Dr. Mark is gathering are from the inside of this comet and... What he discovers, he calls Seven back to show her this. He he's discovered pre-life, like the the antecedents of life in this comet, little things that have like the beginnings of cell structures that, should they come in contact with a primordial soup, would maybe turn into life forms. And you know, he really waxes poetic about the panspermia theory in this scene. I think we can be certain from this moment that Dr. Mark has never masturbated, right? <laughs> because the romance he projects onto something that is not life, but life adjacent, kind of a lot of pressure to put on whatever he's found in the back of this comet. Truly. When I look at this, I don't see a mere cell. I see the potential for literature and art empires and kingdoms. Perhaps your visual subroutines are malfunctioning. Up from this little rope, an entire culture could rise (laughs) to him. (laughs) They get a banger to theme, and this time it's not Kim failing to feather the accelerator. It's It's an attack. Yeah. Yeah. After the theme, Kim has radioed this attacking ship to to say all the usual things. Hey, what's all that about? And we're not even shooting at you. Why are you shooting at us? How about you knock it off, etc. The person on the other end is just going on and on about harboring a photonic insurgent. And he's got some anger behind the statement. Does not like the idea that these guys are harboring. This turns into a disruption field and a tractor beam. And, you know, the Delta Flyer is really outgunned by this ship. So... It's not long before a bunch of people beam over and they're there to seize the doctor. That's why Kim tells Seven to hide the doctor before they arrive. And when we cut over to the to the rear area of the ship, 
we find just seven only. And the attackers have beamed aboard and they're they're doing a shakedown. They want to toss their shit. I was really tired when I watched this episode and I wrote... <laughs> I'm just reading a note to myself that I wrote. These guys are dressed like they're in a sci-fi show. <laughs> I couldn't place the comparison myself because I did the same thing. I was like, are these like... The New England Patriots strength and conditioning staff. <laughs> it felt like something uh, athletics adjacent to their clothing. Yeah. Or like, uh, I don't know, like there was something Galaxy Questy about their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. A thumbs down just appeared <laughs> without a gesture on my screen to justify it. So even, even the computers hate what you're saying. <laughs> Even even the visual uh, processor that tries to interpret <laughs> what I'm doing to to make these reacts happen doesn't like the the costumes and these guys are in. What seems pretty clear through Seven's behavior is that she's not only keistered the doctor, the doctor is puppet mastering her. Yeah, Jerry Ryan does a a great job of. Not quite doing an impression of Robert Picardo's EMH, but it's a bit like uh, the Star Trek novelizations that we've listened to on tape. The way the uh, the reader is not—he's not doing his Kirk impression, but it kind of conveys some Kirkiness when he performs Kirk. You're you're saying this is like a Petkoff performance? It's a bit of a Petkoff that she's doing here. Yeah. Yeah, in this episode, you will believe <laughs> Jerry Ryan is the doctor. <laughs> As these people like go through the back of the Delta Flyer and toss the ship looking for this photonic, they also find the asteroid samples that they gathered, and they're like, oh, this could be stuff for manufacturing bioweapons. You guys are in a lot of trouble. And so they get thrown in the brig. Kim is like, it's just a gram. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, baby. <laughs> this is an intent to sell. Yeah. This is just personal consumption. Th those little baggies, those are for, uh, you know, my Dungeons and Dragons dice. I, I individually wrap them. Yeah, it just sucks that, that Dr. Mark had the triple beam out in the back of the Delta Flyer. <laughs> that a conspicuous triple beam is going to get you in trouble mm -hmm. with the local authorities. And that's what's happened here. They did not follow the ten photonic commandments. Yeah, in this, so they they get locked the fuck up in the brig on uh, these uh, marauding alien ships, and this is when Kim finally realizes that uh, seven is not seven. Seven is Mark Seven. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. <laughs> I don't like how long it takes Kim. To recognize this. 22 minutes. <laughs> Come on. I think they wrote him dumb. They wrote him dumber than he actually is. Is he in the back in that first scene, though? Like, I feel like he has less time to process this than we do. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we just know more, and that's why it feels this way. Yeah. Almost goes for the boobs, but doesn't in starting to describe what it feels like to be inside a birdie. Hmm. Yeah. There's a real clang to this scene, right? Because Kim is falling apart. Clearly his first time in prison. He's really starting to freak out. 
Oh, yeah. And seven. I mean, except for that other time he was in prison. Right. But he doesn't have Tom Paris with him for this one. You know what? Maybe that's the reason for his fall apart is he's without his prison buddy. (laughs) But Dr. Seven is more concerned with that body and all of these new experiences as if this is some sort of uh, experiment for him. The doctor has never been super worried about dying, you know? Like, the number of times the doctor's risked it all to have his program, you know, sent across the galaxy or... Except when he really is, though. In moments where where he's threatened with deletion or where his program is corrupted, like, he seems to have a greater problem with corruption than sacrifice. Right. Kind of like our country, man. Doc is uh, particularly interested in the smell of the location. The smell of the brig, maybe? No, that's not it. It's the smell of Harry Kim, the musk. It's been a busy day. I guess I'm perspiring a little. A little? Mm. This is the moment where I feel like you either get on this ride or you just can't deal with this episode because Jerry Ryan is is the improviser that believes the scenario to such a degree that you can't help but but believe the scene. Right. She's the improviser you need. And if you get one improviser in the scene that isn't quite riding for the reality, like the whole thing falls apart, she Puts the entire episode on her back and and carries this thing from here. She really does. There's some discussion of where the person that normally inhabits this body is. <laughs> and Mark Seven theorizes that, you know, Seven's in there, but she's kind of subsumed under his layer of consciousness. So, you know, this is this is great for him because he gets to experience life in this whole new way. How many drafts of this line of dialogue do you think they went through before they arrived at the one that they used? Because if you don't get this right, you're believing something awful is happening to Seven inside that body. Yeah, I think they were pretty deft in how they wrote it. More awfuler, I should say, than what's actually happening, which seems pretty awful. To be honest. It doesn't seem she cares for this when, no. we, when she comes back, but uh, we don't see that just yet. We, uh, we cut to Voyager, which is 48 hours away from uh, meeting back up with the Delta Flyer, which they don't realize is in big, big trouble. Also in big, big trouble is Tuvok, and this is a scene that I think that we both wondered if we'd ever get when, uh, when it happened to Vorik. Yeah. And I think in the writer's room, they have to have been conscious of this. Like, the seven-year thing is not something that they came up with on Voyager. They're saddled with this. They need to explain why he hasn't pawned far. And the explanation comes, it, it, like, he pawned far right before infiltrating the Maquis. Maquis? Before they left for uh, the Badlands, I guess. Yeah, he went into that mission with an empty weapon. <laughs> Fortunately. But yeah, uh, his time has come. What do you think Vulcan employment law looks like? W slash R slash T pon far. Is it like is it like you cannot ask somebody if they you know what their pon far schedule is? Like you know, oh, we hired this guy, and in the first week he already called in pon far. 
I mean, wouldn't it be the most logical thing to know exactly when that is for everyone and to just sort of schedule it out? It does, but it also seems like the one area where Vulcans are super illogical and shame-based. We do not discuss it. It does seem that way. Yeah. The shame in this episode seems primarily outward-facing towards towards the humans and non-Vulcans yeah. in the crew. True. Gotta believe it's different on the home world. Yeah, so... He's like begging Tom Paris to go get this medicine that the EMH synthesized because the EMH could see this coming too. And uh, this is supposed to help him get through his pond far. Paris looks at the pad at the prescription and it's like, Lubriderm? (laughs) (laughs) You don't need a prescription for this. (laughs) Combined with meditation, it will enable me to control the symptoms. You want me to replicate you some uh, (laughs) tissues as well? (laughs) Or like, do you prefer a gym sock? I know why this scene is is written the way it is, because it's fun and funny, kind of. But Paris is pond-fire shaming Tuvok for this, and it's not a great look for someone who's supposed to be a medical professional, right? Yeah. Like, Paris is not the doctor you want to see in Six Bay. If you've got something uh, even close to embarrassing to disclose. I mean, yes, but I do think that Paris is, like, he's kind of busting Tuvok's chops, but he is being, like, super discreet about this. You know, he doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like when he leaves the room, he's going to be like, <laughs> a big case of pond far in there to the first person he sees. It's one of those scenes, though, where there is a cool character in opposition to a dork character, and that's what Tuvok is. <laughs> Going at it here, right? Like, yeah. I can't remember the last embarrassing thing that happened to Paris outside of being turned into uh, an amphibian. Hmm. Didn't that pip taken off was probably not a great feeling. Yeah, yeah maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I just thought he should take it easy. Tuvok's hurting right now, but... uh not as bad as Harry Kim is, because back in the brig, he gets to watch Dr. Seven just go to town on those prison rations. They're really doing it for them. <laughs> Are you going to finish that? Jerry Ryan is so funny. I thought, uh, I didn't really know how much of a comedy gear she had until this episode. She does so good with this. Yeah. She gets called away and is interrogated by Captain Rannick on the Delta Flyer. He is, you know, asking her, you know, what does this do? What is this button for? What are all these things? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like this is a this is not a ship of war. It's a ship of exploration. That thing you're pointing at, that's just the food replicator. Here, I'll show you. And replicates some non-prison rations and finds this to be even more delightful. Yeah, Dr. Seven's kind of being uh, the Little Mermaid about things. Finally able to taste this enormous slice. Yeah. I mean, the good choice that Mark Seven made is not filling up on the prison rations. This is the classic mistake we make when we go to Cheesecake Factory. I know. We never get to get to the cheesecake because we... Get a couple of apps and a couple of mains, and we're totally stuffed by the time dessert comes around. I love the cover. Like, in the moment, Dr. Seven realizes that uh, maybe I shouldn't have replicated this, and instead of trying to cover it up, replicates another slice. 
<laughs> and gives the partly eaten one to Rannick. Yeah. So that she can have the big piece. We get a passage of time edit here where we float over the floor, absolutely strewn with dirty dishes. And it seems like they're drunk. Yeah. And it seems like they've been confiding things in each other quite a bit. It's an interesting scene because you sort of think, oh man, the doctor is such a a lush and such a hedonist now that he can experience sensory things outside of the visual that he's just giving up the game. Mm -hmm. But in fact, turns to Rennick in this moment and asks for the regeneration device back, which is... uh, what they're referring to the mobile emitter as so as not to uh, to tip it off to these people that that's actually part of their holographic technology package. And he's like, oh yeah, I can make it worth your while if you do something for me. Was it implied that they had sex? Yeah, this is a really intentional cut, isn't it? Because like later, Dr. Seven is like, I didn't do anything unladylike. And I think that's meant to Make us think no sex. That's just hand jobs only, right? Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was just an HJ. Do you think it was an OTP HJ? I don't know. I don't know, but whatever it is, I don't like it if Seven was not in control of her birdie at the time. Yeah, I mean, like, it puts a different spin on the anger that Seven feels when they finally get the doctor back out of her. Yeah, she's rip shit, and rightfully so. You've been abusing my body. What's weird is, like, Kim is also upset because, to him, Dr. Seven's been having a ton of fun while he's been cooling his jets inside the brig. Yeah. So, like, setting aside the idea that maybe a sex happened because they do say out loud that it didn't, and I I hope to believe that. Uh, The other reason Seven is mad is that Dr. Seven ate a whole bunch of stuff that is going to cause a bowel disaster. And she's left literally holding the bag of shit. Yeah. A full cheesecake, eight glasses of wine. It seems like she's angrier about the consumption than uh, whatever it is that happened with this Captain Raddick. Coffee, black, coffee, black. Make it, make it, make it yourself. Ben, I think if you think too closely about this scene, you could break the episode, and here's why. The doctor, in puppeting Seven's Barty makes it clear in this scene that he can fap those tubules out, <laughs> start hitting buttons on the hollow emitter, and out he can pop. Right. Why isn't the doctor puppet mastering Seven around, going fap, fap, like Spider-Manning everyone with those tubules and taking them out? Taking out everybody on the ship. Wow. It seems like uh, that was on the table here. But instead, uh, Dr. Seven chooses, I don't know, seduction? Yeah. Maybe they keep in that in, in the back pocket. Like, assimilate the whole ship if we absolutely have to. <laughs> but let's try to avoid it. Right. So they hear voices coming from outside. And uh, they decide to keister Dr. Mark again. Yeah. <laughs> I love, like, Harry Kim playing the diplomat here. He's like, okay, like, <laughs> you, everybody has... Very valid complaints about the way things have been going so far, but let's table all of the conflicts because this this is an emergency. 
Well, if his argument isn't well made, I think the whole episode falls apart again. I think this scene is is super duper important. Like, yeah, as fully throated as Seven's protestations are with what the doctor did when he was previously in her, mm-hmm. you can't be too ripshit pissed. Otherwise, she would never conceivably allow for him to go back in there. Like, right. there's a line that they don't cross. And it's a line that allows for the doctor to be put back into her birdie. And so back in he goes, and uh, Dr. Seven goes to their med bay on board this ship and is helping them with officers that have been subjected to some sort of virus that the photonic insurgency is using in bio war. This seems like a real ugly war that these guys are waging against the photonic insurgency and... We learn a little bit more about it. There's a lady in there who seems like she's kind of, she wears a lot of hats because so many people have died aboard her ship. But uh, she, you know, talks about having had a caretaker as a child who was a photonic who then went and joined the insurgency. And she just can't wrap her mind around why somebody who was subjugated to her family would then turn on her family. We never treated him like a servant, but he turned against us anyway. Yeah, it's a real uh, antebellum South style argument. Yeah, that you're getting here. Yeah. Your photonic mammy wasn't actually <laughs> in love with your family the way you thought she was. No, and it's interesting to hear the doctor consider this through Seven's eyes. You know. Yeah. Because Seven is of a race of beings that took slaves could you say yeah that at the very least subjugates and right the doctor has had to fight very emphatically for the right to be treated like everyone else sure in his own society so these are not issues that are super far from either character the doctor over the course of seven seasons has given voice to his desire for equality and freedom in a way that stops just short of wanting to overthrow the establishment that has subjugated him, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, like, there's so many things happening in this moment. Tuvok, meanwhile, is being given a prescription to go jack off on the holodeck from Paris. Yeah, Paris is like, holodeck and ain't (laughs) cheating. Is that what you tell your wife? Yeah, they say uh, doctors prescribe and Paris provides, but uh, Paris is going to provide schematics for (laughs) a a knockoff of uh, Tuvok's wife so that it doesn't count as an infidelity. Paris makes the argument that it's not cheating if it's a hologram of your wife. And I would argue that it is... More cheating if it's a hologram of your wife. That seems wronger yeah. than a hologram of someone different. And I I don't know if I can articulate why I feel that way, but it seems like a greater betrayal. Like, if I were caught with a hologram of my wife mm-hmm. doing sexy stuff with me, it would have to hurt way more than a random holodeck person. Imagine if your wife walked into the holodeck 
simulation of, let's just say, Utopia Planitia sure. to pull a random example out of a hat uh-huh. and f- and found that there was a like sexed up version of herself yeah. running in there a- as part of the program. And then she found out that you designed that program. I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty of a terrible crime, doctor. Yeah, we cut to this scene in the holodeck and I... Man, just the amount of candles you have to light to jack off if you're a Vulcan seems I would never get anything done. <laughs> you don't need to put a sock on the door handle at the Vulcan Science Academy to declare that you need some privacy if you're just smelling candle. <laughs> you know not to go in, right? Yeah. So he's getting ready to get it on when more photon cops show up and Voyager is a little bit more well defended than the Delta Flyer was. So when one of these ships starts attacking them for having holograms going, Janeway is able to put them in their place pretty quickly. And when she hears from the captain of the other ship on FaceTime what he's on about, she's like, oh, yeah, we could just turn off our holodeck. And uh, we cut back down to where Tuvok is as he falls onto his erection on the floor. Yeah. Fingers out. (laughs) There's probably a separate scene or maybe even a third scene. I don't remember how many holodecks there are on Voyager, but if those things are running... You know people are fucking. That could be dangerous for anyone inside. Yeah. So Janeway is not going to accept the boarding party that this dude is threatening her with. But she does accept uh, a, an escort through Lokaran territory. That's what we learn these guys are called. So they're going to just fly on through uh, real casual-like and not fire up the holodecks during. There's coffee in that compromise. Interesting how much of a theme uh, an escort is in this episode, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Born a professional. <laughs> Don't need any romantic hassles this week. I think it's important to remember that at this point, Janeway does not suspect anything to worry about. W slash R slash T Delta Flyer, right? Nobody is even talking about what this could mean for the Delta Flyer or for Dr. Mark specifically. It just seems like if Voyager were to roll up on an aggressive ship, one would also conceive of a moment far away that the Delta Flyer could have also had a similar confrontation yeah and then you could do something about that suspicion i don't know or at least mention that you're concerned about it yeah you know for continuity back with dr seven uh they're getting along really well with jaron they're both pretty happy with the prognosis for this patient they've been working on right yeah the uh the treatment that dr seven came up with is starting to work and this is the first time Anybody's come up with a treatment for this bioweapon that's being used against them by the photonic insurgency. And she's like, oh, man, I can't wait to tell everybody else in the fleet about this. This is really really going to change things for us. Also, I do have a brother, and I happened to notice what you looked like <laughs> and that you're really smart and funny. And uh, I, I just think he'd get along great with you. And this really hits Dr. Seffen in an uncomfortable place because Dr. Seven was starting to think about this lady as a potential romantic interest. Dr. Mark at one point was willing to throw his entire life and career away to become a professional opera singer 
on some random planet. And I just got to believe with a storyline like that having already happened, <laughs> I felt like this was on the table. Yeah. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that platinum. Fortnite could just drop gold. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Get your bad shot. 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 Get your b
Captain Rannick calls Seven up to the bridge for sort of a second date. <laughs> it's sort of the thing where like it's a date that is hasn't been declared as a date because he thought the first thing was a date. Yeah. But Dr. Seven didn't think the first thing was a date. There's a romantic nebula involved and, you know, the music that the nebula makes as its waves crash against the bow of the ship. You're talking about the nebular slow jams? Yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> the quiet storm. The rapidity of the seduction techniques here is comical, right? Like, mm -hmm. check out the view. Oh, here's some wine. How about I put on some music? Like, in 15 seconds, all of these things happen. It's great. Yeah, he, like, tries to go, like, for, like, oh, yeah, I need to stretch my arms. Oh, look, I just found my way around your shoulder. Yeah. He gets tossed across the bridge for trying to kiss Dr. Seven. Can't do this. Yeah. Can't do it. No, I don't think I will kiss you. Where does Dr. Seven go but straight on back to the medical facility on this ship and tells Jaren about what happened. And Jaren doesn't take this in a, oh, what a dirtbag kind of way like you're <laughs> expecting. Jaren takes it in a, so what'd, what'd you turn him down for? <laughs> that guy's the captain. He's, he's great. It's clear to Dr. Seven that Jaren's got the hots for the captain. Yeah. And uh, during this conversation they're having, Jaren like kind of loosens up a knot. Dr. Seven's neck, that feels nice. Oh, yeah. Jaren's got magic fingers. The massage really starts flooding Mark Seven's basement. And then, you know, the brakes get put on, and Dr. Seven's like, okay, well, hey, there's actually something that I really need to confess here, and it's, and it's uncomfortable. And this sort of uh, felt to me like maybe a joke was being made of, like, what if Seven said that, she was actually interested in Jaren and like, wouldn't that be like weird and embarrassing? Did you get that? Was that, was that where this scene was headed? I don't know. I think that might be you. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't quite tell if there was like a gay panic element to this story or not. Yeah. I mean, there is that dramatic tension of one character talking about one thing and it being perceived as something else by another character. Yeah. I mean, like, the other, like, gay panic element in it is the amount to which Dr. Seffin expresses revulsion at the idea of hooking up with Captain Rannick. So that kind of makes me think that there wasn't a sexy interlude in that cut in the earlier scene. I don't know. I, d I think not all turndowns are gay panic. Yeah. Maybe Dr. Rannick just sucks. Yeah. Maybe Dr. Rannick just moves a little too fast for a classy person, Ben. Maybe that's it. I'm just I'm just thinking about the era of television we're talking about here. So I don't know. I was shocked that Jared was like, it's totally fine with everybody here that you're part Borg. Nobody is worried about that. Like, this is the, the first species we've encountered that's like totally XB positive. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Which suggests that there are more out there, right? Totally. And that it's not uncommon for them to encounter them in this part of space. The doctor completely incurious about this. Yeah. I would have loved to have an angry seven moment about that. Like, why didn't you ask any follow-up questions? 
You know what I'm really glad about this episode is that we don't cut to a version of Seven's personality stuck in a a theatrical representation of a corner of her mind watching <laughs> this thing play out in front of like behind two eyeballs as a view screen or something. Like right. you don't yeah. get any of Seven's inner life or experience of this until after the doctor separated from her. That's a great point. There's no like uh, inside the Iron Man mask stuff with Seven. I think it's because it would be really traumatic to experience this with her. Yeah. A message comes that uh, Harry Kim is very, very ill and Dr. Seven is needed back at the brig. So back she runs and this was just a ruse by, by Kim who has been basically ignored since being left behind there. He's just been eating shit on a shingle and wondering what's going on while Dr. Seven is cavorting all over the ship. You can tell Kim's faking, right? Come on. You got to get with the stuffed up no sound. <laughs> and you got to talk real slow. Hey, I'm calling because I, I don't think I can make it into work today. Uh, do you ever do like like one... Just oh, one nostril. Oh yeah, like, one hey, nostril is oh, really yeah. good. Like, I'm not totally stuffed up. I'm just I'm worried that it could. I don't want to get anybody else. But you know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to make it tomorrow. But I'll I'll call back tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow morning with with enough lead time to put to like get someone else on the shift for me. Okay. Hey, hey, thanks. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm just so sorry I can't come in today. Nothing I want to do less than watch Montel Williams all day. (laughs) (laughs) So that Dr. Mark comes back out of seven here in the brig. We need to pull it out. (laughs) Assist me. Seven is now like not drunk and with a bellyache. So she can really express her displeasure much more fervently Mm -hmm. and is especially upset about the sexual arousal that uh, occurred when the massage went down in the med bay. She's like, "My, you know, I just installed a sump pump. I do not want to test it with a flooded basement, okay? And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. There's like a reversal here in this scene, though, right? Because, like, Seven takes great umbrage with the freelancing that the doctor's done, and the doctor pushes back really hard. Like, he defends himself by attacking her because the form of attack is like, well, you never indulge yourself in any of the the sweet rewards of being a living person. Right. Like, you always do the bare minimum for yourself. And maybe it is shocking to you that I would do something more than the bare minimum, but that's that's all this is. Seven eats kibble when, like, real food is available. And she's like, well, have you tasted Neelix's cooking? Yeah. (laughs) What specifically you're talking about here. But, um, yeah, the good news is that they have Rannick's command codes, uh, which Seven retained when he punched them in for some reason on the bridge. And so they're like, this is kind of a Star Trek V moment here where they're like, okay, we need to get to the emergency transmitter in Mm -hmm, the forward mm -hmm. observation lounge of the Delta Flyer so that we can transmit those codes to Voyager. And so that is going to involve Seven agreeing to let Dr. Mark into her one more time to 
seduce Captain Rannick and uh, allow them to effect this escape. Seven does get Rannick aboard the Delta Flyer. And I mean, the thing that she convinces him of is that she wants to bury the hatchet. And what better way to do that than over a couple glasses of champagne? Precismo. And some dancing. I thought when the hair came down that something different was going to happen, but it's just a waltz. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a waltz. You can't dance with a bun. That's what Seven <laughs> knows. That's what Dr. Seven knows. He is like getting called away and she's trying to occupy him and doses him. We cut back to Voyager's Bridge where Tuvok is fighting through his illness to be on the bridge as they surge high and low for the Delta Flyer. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? Yeah, Tuvok could have called out sick, but instead he's like, um, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just, uh, I'll try to make it through half my shift. Okay. <laughs> like, we'll see where we're at during the lunch break. Yeah. I think it's important that I try. Everybody's concerned, but this is like a pre-COVID world where people are not like, hey, man, you shouldn't come into work if you're fucking sick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People can't take that anymore, and for good reason. Yeah. Neelix is there, too, with a with a bowl of soup for a flu that Tuvok doesn't have. Yeah. That's nice. I like it when Neelix comes to the bridge to serve. <laughs> that seems like a very early couple of seasons quality to Neelix. It's always well-intentioned, but it uh, often blows up in his face. Yeah. As it does here. Uh, they get the FaceTime from Mark 7, and everyone picks up on what's going on instantaneously. Like, that's how good Jerry Ryan's performance of doctory mannerisms is, is that everybody's like, weird, it seems like you are actually the doctor. What's going on? It's a long story, Captain. Delta Flyer out. I wonder how much of this is also Len's choice here, because you get robert picardo on screen a bunch over the course of the seasons of this show where he's like locked into frame doing his robert picardo stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that this character is also on screen in frame i think is a useful comparison yeah and it's a little top down Mm -hmm. like the camera is a little bit higher than the eye line yeah when the doctor's like you know, FaceTiming into a meeting in the in the lounge, you know, pre-mobile emitter or whatever. So, yeah. And this is, this is uh, framed very similarly to that. I love how Janeway views this as an emergency situation such that she needs to shoot the ship that's escorting them so they can zoom away yeah. toward where the Delta Flyer is. This is great. Sucker punch their escort and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. In the med bay on the other ship... The captain is is laid out on a bed and, uh, you know, they they sort of get caught red-handed with having drugged the captain. He gets revived and (laughs) this scene was my favorite in the episode because this is a group of people that don't understand why the race that they subjugated turned on them. And they're like, what happened, Seven? We trusted you. (laughs) Seven is like, I'm a fucking prisoner. Like, you don't think I'm going to do shit to try to escape? I love that. That's the number one rule of being a prisoner. Yeah. She says it. 
These guys have a total subjugation blind spot. They never think they're subjugating, but they're always subjugating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand what Rannick's deal is. He seems like he's extremely dopey. Yeah. And not just from the drugs he was given. I mean, like, he's not good as a commander, is he? No. I mean, you think that uh, the command codes thing is just going to nip the whole problem in the bud. But to Rannick's credit, he he thinks fast and, like, ties their shields into their warp core. So, like, if the Voyager uses the command codes, it'll destroy the whole damn ship. I mean... Rannick doesn't know Janeway, but this comes straight out of the Captain Janeway playbook. Like, you'll never take me alive, and my ship too. Rannick's like, I plugged the shields right into my warp car, and if you take them down, it'll destroy the whole ship. And that's really nice, but what's also nice is me dragging my fingers across the teeth of this comb. I think there's still half a glass of champagne in the glass. I'm going to hold that very close to the mic. Ooh, that's really good. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a very fun combat scene on the bridge where, like, Seven brings the doctor back, and then they, like, both fight a little bit and get the shields fucked up just enough that Voyager can do its thing, but, uh, you know, they get subdued and um, rounded up into a corner. Is it Rannick that tries to fix the shields? Yeah, so Janeway blows in that that secret call to Seven's dolphin. Yeah. And this is what makes Dr. Mark appear. Like, the doctor conjures himself, basically, yeah. out of Seven's body, and the two of them try to take over on the bridge, and there's a little bit of a scrabble. But Rannick is kind of a unit here, right? So he fights him off yeah. pretty easily. He's trying to get his shields back up. It sort of looks like he's playing snood on that screen when uh, when he's doing it. And he sucks at snood, so it doesn't work. I don't know if there's ever been a scene in Star Trek where a guy went up to a panel to repair a thing and it didn't blow up in his face. <laughs> they try to warn him. Yeah. It's too late. He gets a face full of loaf for yeah. the effort. Janeway's like, okay, we won. We'll beam you back over to the Voyager now. And Dr. Mark is like, hey, I need to save this guy's life. Like, he delays their departure. And uh, we cut down to the med bay where the EMH is putting the finishing touches on keeping Rannick alive. The doctor's taken an offset spatula and just sort of <laughs> scraped it against <laughs> Rannick's face. <laughs> scraped all the meatloaf off of him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he started debriefing with the nurse lady. What was her name again? Jaren. Jaren. He started debriefing with Jaren. But her her name doesn't end in an ing though. Hmm. It's weird, right? <laughs> her name should be Jarening. Yeah, that would make more sense. <laughs> Talking about oh, like I, I I can't believe I tried to set you up with my brother. Given that you're a bald man, not a hot blonde woman. Yeah. Turns out her brother is not a holosexual, so he wouldn't be interested in the image. Yeah. But uh, everything is is okay, and uh, they got to get out of there so that the uh, the rest of their species doesn't attack Voyager. 
We catch up with Tuvok, who got to nail a sort of augmented version of his wife. <laughs> so I took a little artistic license. Aside from that, was everything all right? The hologram was adequate. If your wife caught you in the holodeck with a version of her with four millimeters longer of ear, <laughs> that would be your ass, man. Is this what you want? <laughs> Don't look at my ears. I'm hideous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fortunately for Tuvok, he could still get up over the top. Yeah. With that, uh, that ear thing being a problem. You just close your eyes at that point. Just don't look at the ears. Don't look at them. Yeah. The button on the episode is a scene in Six Bay where Seven comes in with a bunch of uh, foie gras and wine and is going to narrate the experience to the EMH, which just seems like the kinkiest shit possible. (laughs) It's come to my attention that nutritional supplements don't fully meet my needs. Seven's like, I'm going to put bites of foie and truffles in my mouth swish it with this white wine and just kind of blow in your face. (laughs) That's what you get. You dirty, dirty, like what's the opposite of feeder gainer? Like (laughs) he's like a, a food cuck in this moment. Yeah, he really is. I was shocked that the end of this episode seemed content with not, calling any sort of attention to how pissed Seven might have been for all the puppet mastering he did. Like, this is the resolution. Both of them are okay. Seven is not pissed anymore. And if anything, Seven is is returning this violation with a kindness. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I'm So that part does leave me a little bit confused. And I feel like the rewrite would just be make her more annoyed and less outraged in the earlier scenes. Yeah. Annoyed like I've got game and I'm being put on the bench by the coach because, you know, somebody else is playing right now. Yeah, like I disagree with this course of action is very different from this is a violation of my party. Yeah. And I think it, with that one edit, it's a much better episode. But I thought that, like, overall, the performances in this episode were really fun and and good. And, like, if you can, like, forgive the episode that failure, I think it is a fun and interesting story. And just a great bit of uh, of direction of actors by B-Dunks, I think. A very unique one also. Yeah. You know, doesn't feel like it's just warmed over from other Star Trek episodes. Yeah, this was a a distinct take on this type of story. I agree with you about uh, the praise that B-Dunks deserves for his direction here. We don't say it very often. Tour de Force by Jerry Ryan. Yeah. Absolute apex Ryan here. So good. And it makes me wonder, how do you know she can do this? Like... You need to know before you even write the script, right? Right. Like, was she doing bits around the set, like, making it seem as though, you know, she's got a pretty good Bob Picardo. Like, have you noticed that? (laughs) Have you noticed the bits she's doing? The bits on Bob? (laughs) What do you think about making a whole episode that, that takes advantage of that? Because if she is an 8 out of 10 on this impression, yikes. I don't know, man. 
I don't know if this is a good episode. I think it would be an aggressively bad episode at that point. That's what I'm saying. So like whether or not you're you're just confident in Jerry Ryan's ability or you know for certain that she's got it, that's at the core of what makes this episode tick. One thing that I thought was a little unusual was the lack of resolution about all the anti-photonic sentiments because throughout the entire episode, the doctor's making the case, holograms, really useful in this situation, right? Like, taught me everything I know, holograms, great. And you think that's gonna end up with like this fix for this cultural stigma or, or problem or the war that they're enduring, but- there was no resolution at all about this and not even a hint about Jaren and Rannick having a change of, of heart about this whatsoever. It feels like they're willing to cover for Voyager at the end because Rannick got his life saved, but it doesn't really feel like they're going to then proclaim the benefits of working with the photonics to their society. Yeah. And it it sort of underlines something that I feel like is very different about this era of Voyager than the earlier seasons where, you know, we were with the Kazon for like a really, really long time. Like we were in Kazon space for like more than a season, I feel like. Yeah. And now that we're in season seven, I don't really believe that we'll see any species again once we've seen them once. Yeah. Uh, One final thought. Great Card Daddy episode. I feel like there are so many expressions <laughs> that would work great yeah. for for his bit of business. Truly. I'm looking forward to what potential there might be for those down the road. Well, Adam, do you want to see what potential there is in the Priority One inbox? Oh, lots of potential. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, starting with our first priority one message. It's first priority one message of the new year, Adam. Yeah. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, it's a promotional message. Message goes like this. Do you have a priority one message that can only be delivered in person? Need some flair to put next to your comm badge. Old Rusted Chair has you covered. Old Rusted Chair is back for a second greatest gen bump. Hell yeah. And this time, we have envelopes and pinback buttons made from Star Trek comic books. Whoa. Not sure what to write in your priority one message? Pick up a hand-poured candle for a Vulcan meditation session. Visit oldrustedchair.com slash scarves to find envelopes, pins, candles, and more. That's a call to action to go to oldrustedchair.com slash scarves, where you can support two cool FODs making cool stuff for FODs. That's uh, Lou and Jonathan. These are so cool. I love these gift cards. There's some J.K. Woodward cards in there, so if you got really lucky, you might get an image of uh, Ben and or Adam in your greeting cards. How about that? I like this format of candle, like this puck. Yeah. Versus a big honking jar candle, you know? Yeah, this is like the the like smaller uh, aluminum screw top candle situation, right? Yeah. 
Oh boy, I bet my wife would love these candles. She loves a scented candle. It's pretty great. Like there's a uh, a business in the front, party in the back kind of sensibility to old rusted chair. <laughs> like very serious craft work happening at oldrustedchair.com. Pretty fun business happening at oldrustedchair.com slash scarves, you know? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, thanks, Old Rusted Chair, for coming back for more. Yeah. Adam, our next priority one message is from Quinn, and it's to us, Adam and Ben. It goes like this. After six months of fervent listening, I finally became current with TGG and was able to hear my original P1 message, in which you may recall... I opined my chagrin for when a defective bottle of hand sanitizer spooges onto my shirt. Since that time, I have come up with a bit to diffuse my embarrassment by simply saying, Nice shooting, Tex. <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> Quinn, I hate to do this, but you, you got to come up with a different bit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's here's how I'll accept it. I will accept nice shooting text if you're also doing finger guns back at the <laughs> hand sanitizer. <laughs> what about a like a oh you got me? <laughs> that is is that a solid bit? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Like grab the part that it got you. Yeah. In pain. What we're saying is, Quinn, just to note you. <laughs> we need some physicality to this bit. Mm-hmm. Not just the comment. Yeah. Take it from us. I could see finding it really amusing if I, you know, somebody I didn't even know, like, walked up to a hand sanitizer, it spooged on their shirt, and they just heard the mutter, nice shooting text. I could see that really, really <laughs> landing with me, actually. I like the bit. I don't think it needs punch up, Quinn. All right. All right. We've gone full circle about about this bit. <laughs> ben, our final priority one message is... From Nathan, it is to Travis. That message goes like this. Thanks for putting me up and letting me work from she who is your wife's office for a couple of days before we shared our embarrassment in Seattle. Glad I finally have somebody who gets the jokes I make from this pod. (laughs) Always great spending quality brother time. Oh, hey, thanks for coming to our Seattle show. That was a real highlight of the tour. One tour show left coming up this month in uh, San Francisco. That's true. At uh, SF Sketchfest, greatestgentour.com for that. And maximumfun.org slash jumbotron if you'd like to get a priority one message on the show. We sure appreciate it. Yeah. Make it a resolution to support Greatest Gen and Greatest Trek, why don't you? Yeah. Hey, Ben? What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Got to give it to my girl, Jerry Ryan, for being the funniest. She is so fucking funny in this episode. She has the comedy chops. I want to see her in more comedy things now. I feel like she is stuck in, you know, dramatic of tone genre stuff so much of the time. You know, I've I've seen her in a few things. I said she's she has a great season of Bosch, but it's she's like a femme fatale character in that. I want to see her do funny shit. She could be polaring, you know? Yeah. Like, she could be really exploring the comedy space because she does have that gear. Send her to the polar region. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Broaden your professional sphere into the polar region. <laughs> that's our advice. 
giving free professional advice to Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Two guys sitting in their garages across town. <laughs> yeah. Have thoughts. <laughs> Don't listen to us, Jerry. Go where your heart takes you, Jerry. What about you, Adam? Cosine. Okay. Easily. Easiest double Shimoda ever. Wow. Uh, she's just great. She really rules. All right, Adam, let me uh, tell you a little something about the next episode of Star Trek Voyager. While you go to gach.biz slash game, the next step is called Nightingale. It's season seven, episode eight. With Voyager under repair, Harry seizes a chance to prove himself as a commander, but finds that being a starship captain is more than he bargained for. Uh-oh. I don't like Harry Kim's chances of not falling in love this episode. <laughs> yeah. Keep it professional, Harry Kim. Seems like a thing that befalls him an awful lot of the time. Ben, we have kept our runabout on square 95 at the Game of Buttholes. The Will of the Prophets. Yeah. The Will of the Caretaker, uh, which means a few squares ahead, there's a space butthole. And a few squares ahead or Mornhammered Square. Shit. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to roll this bone. Roll it, baby. Ben, I rolled a two. We're on square 97. Regular old episode for us. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. How about that? All right. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to next week's app. And uh, hey, I'm looking forward to a great year with the FODs here on yeah. The Greatest Generation. Me too. Big year for us. We're going we're gonna to go on to another series at some point later this year. What? Yeah. That is how the timing works, huh? Yeah. Amazing. I'm doing the math in my head, but uh, yeah. Can't believe it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Big changes for us. Just professionally, though. Personally, everything's going to be the same. Same shit. Yeah. Uh, hey, I hope you make a New Year's resolution of supporting our show. It's MaximumFun.org slash join if you would like to do that. Much, much thanks to the folks who already do. Thanks to Wendy Pretty, our producer and editor. Thanks to Bill Tilly, our card daddy, who... Uh, Makes hilarious screenshots for every episode tile. If you're not catching these episode tiles, you know, you got to go look on our uh, social media or at MaximumFun.org on the Greatest Gen page. Like, he finds, like, the funniest screenshot of every episode. If you could distill one frame out of every episode of Star Trek Voyager, it's not the one that uh, that's on the thumbnail in the Paramount Plus app when you're Mm-mm. selecting the app. It's the one that Bill Tilly pulls. If you're a streaming service... And, and you're hiring out for that job, screen grabber, Bill Tilly's your guy. Nobody better. Yeah. Yeah, you think those are just found? No. No. <laughs> those are curated. Yeah. Got to thank Nick uh, Detmore for our show art. Thank uh, Adam Ragusea for our original music. Dark Materia for the original Picard song. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where, I don't know, Adam and I will probably also bite off more than we can chew, but we can't predict exactly of what just yet. Yeah. We'll tell you when we get there. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Captain, you don't know the car, but you 
Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.